I'm Miles Kilby, and I want to welcome you to Encountering the Prophetic Podcast. My passion is to help people from all different walks experience God's voice. I believe, along with my guest, that Encountering the Prophetic has the power to change our lives and the lives of those around us. On this podcast, I want to help you learn how to hear God's voice and go deeper in the prophetic to spark change in your life and in others. Let's dive into Encountering the Prophetic now. Hallelujah. So I'm looking in Acts, the first chapter. Acts 1 and verse 1. It says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Amen? The first account I composed, Theophilus, the book of Acts was written to Theophilus. The name Theophilus means lover of God. The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Say to do. Can you say to do? To do and teach. So Jesus did both. Amen? It says all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Jesus did both. Jesus did. He didn't just teach, but He also demonstrated and also did what He taught. Amen? Amen. So He did both. All Jesus began to do and teach until the day when He was taken up to heaven and after He had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom He had chosen. Verse 3, To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the the kingdom of God. Okay, do you see that? Over a period of 40 days, this was after the resurrection of Christ, He began to do and to teach And for over a time frame of 40 days, He taught and instructed them concerning the kingdom of God. This was after the resurrection. Amen? So, you know, after the resurrection, Jesus was on the earth for 40 days before He ascended to the Father. Amen? So not only before Jesus was crucified, He taught things concerning the kingdom, went to the cross, and then even after the resurrection... He continued teaching the kingdom after He was resurrected. So turn back with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter. And I'm going to give a short teaching today um, on some very fundamentals of the kingdom of God. These are some of the things that I teach to uh, disciples early on in discipleship class, and they're very basic things. Uh, Two weeks ago, I started off teaching and preaching about the kingdom and Jesus' message of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God being the government of God invading, coming into the earth. Okay, so John the Baptist came with that message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came with the same message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, 
I'm going to come into Matthew uh, chapter 5. It says, Matthew 5, When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down... In other words, Jesus would sit down and begin to teach them. That's what rabbis would do, and Jesus was a rabbi. So Jesus went up to the mountain, He sat down, and He began to teach them. A rabbi is a teacher. Amen? So Jesus, after He sat down, His disciples came to Him. He opened His mouth and began to teach them, saying, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom. So this is the very first thing that Jesus taught His disciples. Now, wouldn't you think the very first thing that Jesus taught His disciples would be important? This is extremely important because each one of the Beatitudes are progressive as far as maturity and growth in the kingdom of God and in your discipleship and your walk with Him. So like I said, this is the very first thing that He taught them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, to be poor in spirit, that is a Hebrew idiom, which an idiom is a saying. So what's a southern saying that we say down here? Anybody got one? Get her done. Get her done. God bless you. Alan, God bless you. Okay. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Short sayings. I can't think of any. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So to be poor in spirit, this is extremely fundamental. This is ground, this is like ground zero for Christian discipleship. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's ground zero, but it's also it's always the one thing that you come back to. It's that important. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What was Jesus talking about being poor in spirit? To be poor in spirit literally means to have a repentant heart. That's what it means. To be poor in spirit. I had someone tell me, oh, it means that you're poor. No, that's not what it means. It doesn't have anything to do with poverty. It means to be poor in spirit is a description of someone who has a repentant heart. Okay? So the very first thing for a disciple to develop in their walk with Jesus is a lifestyle of repentance. Developing a lifestyle where you quickly repent. You're always turning to Him. So what is a lifestyle of repentance? What is a person who is poor in spirit is someone who is always turning and giving themselves to Jesus. They're always depending on Him. To be poor in spirit means you have surrendered everything to Jesus. That's what it means. It's absolute surrender. It's when you've come to the place where you have laid down everything in your life and you are now fully dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the first mark of a disciple. So the first mark is I've left everything. I've, I've laid down my selfish ambitions. I've laid down everything. And I'm completely dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. I am absolutely surrendering everything. My will is surrendered to Him. Amen? So complete surrender of your life. Every area of your life. Spirit, soul, body. Every area of your life is completely surrendered 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we, when we declare that Jesus is Lord over our life, what are we declaring? We are declaring that our life is no longer ours, but it is brought under His authority and under His Lordship. Lord is a term that has to do with authority. Okay? A Lord is someone who is in a place of authority. And so declaring Him Lord over our lives is declaring absolute total authority Jesus has over our lives. Okay? So the message of repentance is the message of the kingdom. The message of repentance is is you can't have the kingdom without repentance. In other words, you cannot obtain, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you repent. There's no other way. That's the only way to come to the kingdom. And so that's what John told uh, Nicodemus in John the third chapter. What did he tell Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a religious leader. Uh, he was a Pharisee. He said, I want you to see what he told Nicodemus. He said, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus doesn't understand. Now, Nicodemus was a very educated man. He, and it's also believed that he was a very wealthy man. But he didn't understand this. And in other words, Jesus was saying, You have all of this knowledge, but how do you not understand this one thing, Nicodemus? You're a, you're a religious leader. How do you not know this? How do you not understand this? And it's interesting because Nicodemus came to him during the middle of the night. So in other words, he didn't want anybody else to know that he was coming to talk to Jesus about these things. But he understood that Jesus carried an authority, that he was from God, or otherwise he couldn't be performing the signs, wonders, the miracles that he was performing. So he said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Can't even see it. You can't discern the kingdom. You can't see it. You can't discern it. You can't enter into it unless you're born again. So Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his, into his mother's womb, can he? He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, we cannot, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that's what that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. He said, don't be amazed at this Nicodemus. You have to be born again. Then he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So new birth is essential. Amen? Amen. New birth is essential. When, when somebody is truly born again, that's when they enter into the kingdom. Amen? When somebody is truly born again is when they enter the kingdom. 
Now, when somebody when somebody is born again, they're born of the what does it say? Of the water and of the spirit. Okay, and so when someone is born again, they completely take on an entirely new nature. The spirit of God comes to live inside of that person, and their spirit man is becomes a new creation. In other words, the Holy Spirit and the human spirit, who is you, come as one. They come together in here. They connect on the inside. And God doesn't remodel us. He completely makes us a new creation. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new, he or she is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. So everything is made new when the Holy Spirit enters into a person. He recreates us on the inside, our spirit man first. And then he begins to work through us. What did Jesus say in Luke 17? He said, the kingdom of God is within you. And so the kingdom has now come to live within you and I, within a born-again believer who believes in Jesus Christ, who has committed their life to Jesus, who's had an encounter with Jesus. And so Jesus also said in John 6, that no man can come unto the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him, unless the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to a person. They cannot receive him. Okay? So it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal, that's part of his job, to reveal Jesus. Nobody can come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him, unless the Spirit of God reveals who Jesus is. And Jesus is the door that we enter into the kingdom through. And so, this is very essential because. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the repentant. Those who repent. Those who have a repentant heart. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said if you develop this. If you are a person. Who is a repentant person. Who is a person who is absolutely dependent on Jesus. Who has completely surrendered everything to him. He said yours is the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. All of the kingdom is yours. That's very powerful. Because without repentance, there's a reason why Jesus came first preaching repentant. For the kingdom is here. In other words, without repentance, He's saying you can't enter in without repentance to the kingdom. So repentance is essential to entering in and experiencing the kingdom of God. In other words, what gives us access to the kingdom is a lifestyle of repentance. Repenting and turning to Him allows us to experience the kingdom. Okay? And so many people, when they hear the word repentance, they say, well, i got to repent because I messed up, because I've done something wrong. Well, that's not entirely wrong. That's partially true. But repentance is much more than just you repenting of your sins. Okay? There's repentance, there's levels of repentance. There's repentance unto forgiveness. Some people just repent to be forgiven of their sins.
some people move beyond that and repent to see the kingdom manifest in their lives. And so there's, there's, there's levels of repentance. There's dimensions of repentance. There's depth to repentance. Amen? And so just repenting because, oh, I messed up and I've done this. Now there's a place for that. But God wants to take us beyond that. To where I'm, I'm, in other words, I'm coming to you. I'm turning to you, Jesus, because I want to see you manifest in my life. I want to see you manifest in my finances. I want to see you manifest in my health. So I'm turning to you in this area. I want to see you manifest in my family. So I'm repenting on behalf of my family. I want to see you manifest in this nation, in this city. So I'm coming to you. I repent on behalf of this city. I repent on behalf of my family. And so there's depths, layers, dimensions of repentance that we can explore and enter and and go on a journey down. That God wants to take us down these different pathways of repentance. Amen? It is biblical and scriptural for you to repent on behalf of your family and the sins of your forefathers. That is biblical. Okay, It is biblical to repent and stand in the gap for your country that you live in, for your nation, for your city, for your state. That is biblical. Amen? That would look like intercession. Someone who is standing, on, standing in the gap. And so repentance is key. Any negative connotation that we have that is associated with repentance, we need to remove out of our minds. Okay? And I love what, um, what Ken Malone ministered when he was here. Was out of Acts 3.19. Repent so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. It says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the gates. Excuse me, that's chapter 5. Therefore repent and return. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from ancient times. Okay? So this was what Peter preached in his second message. He said, in other words, if you want to experience refreshing, he said you have to repent and return. Okay? So there's repentance that we live out in our personal lives. There's corporate repentance, the, cor- the, the corporate church repenting, uh, repenting corporately. There's repentance of entire cities. There's repentance of entire nations. I think about when the prophet Jonah went to Nineveh. He declared one word of judgment and the whole city repented from the top down at one word from God. But the whole city repented. We need that in America today. We need the whole nation to repent. 
We need God to move in, in America. America hasn't had a national revival in over 100 years. A national revival. There's regional revivals and regional outpourings, but a national revival. America's long overdue. An awakening. Okay? That comes through repentance. It's a, it's a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. It's a sovereign move of God. But we need it in America. We need God to move again. Amen? And so I believe when the body of Christ begins to corporately repent and cry out and return to Him, that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in our midst. That's key for any gathering. Okay? Especially for intercessors. If you're an intercessor, if you're coming to intercede, the first thing you should do is repent. The first thing you should do is repent. And then plead the blood of Jesus over you and yourself. Over you and the people that are uh, there interceding. Going into times of intercession with you. In other words, when you come before God to intercede for a nation, for a city, for a church, for your family, for anybody else, you, you need to come before Him clean. So you deal with yourself first. You come before God with clean hands and a pure heart to intercede. You deal with anything you have going on, you deal with it before you enter into times of intercession. Okay? And you enter in. In other words, when you go into intercession, you need to be completely clear. Your conscience is clear. You're clear before the Lord. And then you also apply the blood of Jesus as protection over you, over your household, and over those interceding with you. And so this is extremely important. He says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Amen. In order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Spirit of God moving again in your midst, in other words. The presence of God manifesting in your meeting, manifesting in your home, manifesting in your life. It comes through repentance. So I'll never forget, I used to, somebody gave me a police interceptor. It's when I didn't have a, I didn't have a car. So someone gave me a police interceptor. And I used to love that car because whenever I drive it, the, the roads would part like the Red Sea because everybody thought I was a cop or something. You know? Everybody would get out of the way. Now, that car had the coldest air conditioning in it. But um, I'll never forget one day I was riding down the road in that car and the Holy Spirit said, I called you to live a lifestyle of repentance. And I said, really? Amen. It was a good word. But I heard it so clear just riding in that little car. I've called you to live a lifestyle of repentance. Make it lifestyle. It's your life. It's how you live. Okay? It's like King David. King David had developed a lifestyle of repentance. 
When he'd mess up, he'd fall on his face. When he'd mess up, he'd go worship. When he'd mess up, he'd go fast and pray. When David messed up, he first got Bathsheba pregnant, and the, and the prophet Nathan came to him and told him, your son's not going to make it, your son's not going to live. He was broken. And he went and fasted and prayed until the child passed, asking God to spare the child. And God didn't do it. But you know in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that it says that David did know Rome and that he was a man after God's own heart. That's what it says. In other words, because of what he had developed in his relationship, being, who, being a man that was poor in spirit, that God didn't remember all of what he did. It was completely wiped out. It was blotted out. His sins were blotted out. And he killed a lot of people. God told him early on, he said, I'm not going to let you build the temple because you're a man of war. You have too much blood on your hands. I'm going to let your son build the temple. Okay. But the Bible says in the book of Acts that he did all the will of God. That's pretty powerful. Considering that we have testimony knowing other things that he did. But God blotted out and wiped out his sin because he was a man who became a man who was poor in spirit. He was a man who had a repentant heart. He would fall on his face when he messed up. And so developing this kind of lifestyle is the mark is the first mark of a disciple. You know what the word disciple means? Essentially, it means a disciplined one. You who are a disciplined one. You're a student. You're a disciplined one. And so it takes discipline. God chastens and disciplines those who He loves. Amen? And it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So what you and I have to understand is that repentance is a gift from God. Because of the grace, anything that God extends towards us is because of grace. It's His grace that He extends to us. Every covenant that God ever made with man was it was an extension of grace toward humanity. Him saying, I love you. I'm here making a covenant with you. It's an extension of His grace. So it's the grace, the goodness of God that is given and extended to us that causes us to repent. His loving kindness the grace and the goodness of God extended towards us that draws us to Him. Because He's a good Father. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so if I come back to Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many Beatitudes are there? Anybody know? 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine Beatitudes. There are only two. There are only two Beatitudes. The first one and the eighth one that guarantee that the kingdom is yours. The kingdom of heaven is yours. In verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's yours. He said it's all yours. Repentance, being poor in spirit, and persecution. Or when Jesus said the kingdom is yours. Amen. All the others have different benefits that are connected. But all are levels of growth and maturity in discipleship in your walk with the Lord Jesus. So repent. When you repent, you completely change the way you think. How do you know that someone has truly repented? When they change. When they no longer do what they were doing. What you used to do. You no longer do that. It's transformation. It's change taking place in you. And the way that that happens is through the renewing of the mind. The renewal of the mind and the soul. That's why repentance, it means to change your mind. To change your mind, to change your direction. The Apostles Paul said, Be not conformed to this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. By what? By the renewing of your mind. So that you might prove what the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God is. How do you know the will of God? You know why people don't? That's why people don't know what the will of God is for their life. Because their mind hasn't been renewed. He he clearly tells you in Romans 12. If you will renew your mind. If you will change your mind. You will know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. Okay, says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed. What does it mean to conform? When you conform, you you come into agreement with something. Okay? When you conform to something, you look like that. You act like that. You think like that. You've come into agreement with it. How do you come into agreement with something? First, it happens in your thoughts. It starts in your thought life. That's where you come into agreement with things. 
That's why Paul said, take every thought captive and make an obedience. Bring it under subjection to Christ. So it all starts in your mind, in your thought life, in the way that you think. Okay? So do not be conformed. How does conformity come? Conformity comes first through thoughts. Thoughts that turn into actions. In other words, you the thoughts are presented. You come into agreement with those thoughts. Then, lo, then those things become actions or a part of you. But first you have to come into agreement with it. In other words, when demonic thoughts come to you, every thought that comes before you, you have to make a decision of whether it stays or it it goes. So when thoughts are presented in your mind, you have to ask yourself, is this something that I'm going to come into agreement with or does this thing need to get out of me? Right? If thoughts of anger and hatred towards somebody, thoughts to hurt somebody come to your mind, thoughts of adultery, thoughts of all these different things come into your mind. I have to take hold of those things and say, no, that ain't Jesus. It's got to go. But if I entertain that thought, if I entertain those thoughts, and I come into agreement with those thoughts, then then I'm giving them a place in my life. Do not be conformed to those thoughts. Do not be conformed to this world. The thinking of this world, the ways of this world, how this world operates. Don't conform to corporate America. (laughs) The way they do things isn't the way God does things. In a lot of ways, not every way, okay? In other words, they'll tell you to to cut somebody loose when God says no, keep them. They'll tell you to to lay people off when God says no, they need that job. Help them. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. How do you know the will of God for your life? Your mind has to be renewed for you to hear what the Spirit is saying in here. In other words, what are the. When your mind is not renewed, that means that the voices of this world have more influence than the voice of the Spirit of of God in you. So when the voices out here are louder than the voices in here, my mind needs to be renewed. In other words, my mind being renewed is me coming into contact with what's the Spirit of God in here. I'm connected with Him. I'm synced up to Him. I'm not out of date. I'm, you know, I'm up to date with Him. I'm hearing from Him. 
So it says, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Everybody in here should be able to prove what the will of God is in your life. It's something that you can prove. It's something that you know without any doubt. You can prove it if you had to. Somebody had to ask you if you had to prove it to a judge. If you had to prove it to somebody. How do you know? And then it says, the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The will of God is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect in our life. That's what you want. You want what's good, acceptable, and perfect. The will of God. So essentially, levels of repentance... Levels of repentance and depth of repentance. Get this. I'm giving you revelation. I don't know if you realize it or not. Depths of repentance come through the renewing of the mind. In other words, the more that your mind is transformed, your walk is going to look different. Your transformation is going to look different. Your, your physical appearance is going to look different. Everything about you is going to begin to change. God will tell you to change things you can do. I mean, that will change the way you, your physical body looks. I'm not talking about plastic surgery. I'm talking about diet and whatever. He'll change you. He'll change you. Not only that, but His glory will come on you. And so greater depths and levels of repentance are unfolded in our lives when our mind is renewed. That transformation can take place. We're changing the way we think. So we're changed. The word for transformation in Greek is metamorphosis. It's like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. He don't look the same. Caterpillars are ugly. Butterflies are beautiful. That's the process of renewing the mind. That's transformation. That's the kind of transformation he's talking about. So in other words, he said you're going to you're going to he says be metamorphosized by the, by the renewing of your mind. Be completely transformed. He says you're going to completely change the way you think, the way you look, the way you act, the way you conduct your life. It's going to be completely transformed, changed, when your mind is renewed. So in other words, the... The mind, your soul, is your mind, your will, and emotions. Your soul acts like a filter in your body or for your, for your person, for who you are. You're a, we're a triune being, so we have a, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your spirit man is the real you who's in here. And if you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit also lives in you. And has connected with your human spirit. He lives in you. 
your soul determines what comes what is released out of you in other words the spirit of god in you wants to be released through you but it's that is filtered through your soul it's like an air filter in a car it's all filtered through so in other words if your soul is all messed up it's hard for the spirit to come through you because you got junk in your soul you got to clean the filter yeah you got to clean it out right clean it out right okay you clean it out so the spirit can so that's what I'm saying when your soul when your soul thinks like the spirit that's living in here it's going to be easy for him to flow through you why because the holy spirit has a mind of his own he has a mind he he has thoughts he thinks it's the mind of the spirit having the mind of Christ the mind of the spirit and so whenever our mind is renewed we we come to think like the spirit that lives inside of us the holy spirit who lives in us we have his mind we have the mind of Christ that's when faith begins to operate in us because we agree with God we agree with what he says it's easy see when your mind you'll know it when your mind is renewed because it's going to be easy for you to agree with God you're not going to need to fight with him you're not going to need to argue with him it's just yes it's automatic yes there's no the stubbornness is removed the rebellion is removed all of that's removed it's just it's an automatic yes to God so my mind's been renewed. I'm thinking like Jesus now. I'm thinking like him. Amen. So it all starts with repentance and deeper depth and levels of repentance in our lives. In other words, cleaning that filter, cleaning out the junk, cleaning out the wrong thoughts, the wrong thinking. Cleaning out the thoughts that don't agree with God. So that you begin to replace those thoughts with what God says. So every everybody in here, you can you can identify a thought. That does not agree with God. Thoughts that you've had that don't agree with God. If, 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 if we could flash up all our thoughts up here on this screen, we wouldn't want everybody to see it, probably. Amen? I wouldn't. I'm including myself. Sometimes thoughts come to me that, what does Joyce Meyer say? It's the battlefield of the mind, right? It is a battlefield. It's just a true statement. 
that's where the battle is, is in the mind. And so those thoughts that come, they can be from the Holy Ghost, they can be demonic thoughts, or they can be they can be from your flesh. Okay? So how do you renew your mind? How do you renew your mind? I'm going to give you a few keys. Meditating on the Scriptures. Meditating on the Word of God. Will change your mind. It will actually change everything about you. Your reading comprehension will change. Your IQ will increase everything about you. You'll get smarter. The wisdom of God will come on you. Revelation will begin to flow in your life just by meditating on the Word of God. Meditating on the Scriptures. I mean, for, I, I used to hate to read. And my, my reading comprehension, everything changed when, just when I started to read the Scripture. That was very early on in my walk with the Lord. So I, I was going back to college. And I, could, I had to pass a reading comprehension test. And I, I mean, I did great on it because I was reading the Scriptures. In other words, my understanding, comprehension is understanding. And through reading the Scriptures and meditating on them, God gives us knowledge, wisdom, understanding. All these things are given to us just through meditating on the Scripture. As you meditate on the Scriptures, they become a part of you. It's just like the prophet Ezekiel. God told the prophet Ezekiel, He said, eat the scroll. Digest it. Take it in. Make it a part of you. You are what you eat. Meditate on the Scriptures. Amen? Amen. So meditating on the Scriptures, worship, worshiping God. (coughs) Worshiping God can bring renewal to you, to your spirit, soul, body. Worship. Meditating on the Scriptures through worship, prayer, and praying in tongues. brings renewing to your spirit, your soul, your body. can bring renewing. It brings the renewing of the mind. Those would probably be my top three. If I had to have three. Meditation on the Word. Worshiping God in prayer. Praying in the Spirit. I have literally felt through reading the Scripture, God cleaned my mind before. And it was just a supernatural thing. It was like I could feel it changing the more I read it. If I'm reading through the book of Romans, I could feel things changing in my mind 
God unlocking things, God changing things inside my mind. That was renewing. That was taking place. It was transformation that was taking place. Because see, the spirit man is a new creation already. It's the soul. It's the soul that we have to deal with. The mind, the will, and the, the emotions. That's what we have to deal with. So that's why, that's why Paul gave this instruction in Romans 12. That's why he gave the instruction. He said, if you don't renew your mind, you can't know the will of God for your life. It's difficult for you to know what the will of God is if you don't renew your mind and be transformed there. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, when you repent, let's say you have children that are walking in rebellion and you need God to move in your life, start repenting on their behalf and God will start breaking through in their life. Because as a parent, you have authority in their life because you're their parent. Okay. Now they 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 may not receive you telling them what to do because you know legally they're 18 or whatever, but spiritually, spiritually you have authority in the spirit realm in their life because God has given you a place of authority as their father or their mother, and that's for step parents too. Amen. So those who are walking in rebellion begin to repent on their behalf for what you know that they're doing, what they're involved in, or what the Holy Spirit shows you that they're involved in. And ask God to have mercy on them and to break through to them and to reveal Himself to them. And as you begin to repent on their behalf, God is going to give you a heart of compassion for them and a love for them that's from God. Not an earthly love or a human love. And you're going to enter into a realm of intercession that is fueled by the love of God, the love of the Father. It's not fueled by your flesh. Amen? In other words, when you intercede and stand in the gap for someone else or for a person, for person, place, or or whatever, you want your intercession to flow out of the compassion and the love of the Father. Amen. it will be much more powerful because faith works by love.
That's what God spoke that to me a couple weeks ago. He said a lot of people, their faith's not working because their love walk in right. So if, if your love tank ain't filled up and your love walk in right, it's going to be hard for your faith to operate. Got to have the love in here. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand up and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your compassion towards us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for do, for working in us. Deep repentance, Lord, towards you. Lord, that you would ingrain it into the depths of our soul. Deep within us, Lord, there'd be a cry of repentance, even for this nation, for America. A cry of deep repentance for all the children that are being aborted. Lord God, that we'd be a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Voices of repentance. Lord, I thank you for raising up voices of repentance. Like John the Baptist. Like Jesus. Who came preaching the kingdom. Father, I thank you for great repentance sweeping this nation, sweeping this land. That there would be a revival of repentance. It'd be marked by repentance. That people would be crying out for you, for you to have mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord.